Well, it is um, January, and uh, a couple things happen in January uh, every year, it seems like. One, uh, it's cold, as we've said a few times already this morning. Um, the other thing that seems to happen in January is um, we begin to write out our lists of things that we're going to do to get healthier in the new year. I don't know if anybody in the room did that this year. I won't make you show hands or anything like that. But I'm sure some of you sat down and said, for the new year, I'm going to get healthy. And you wrote down the things that you're going to have to do. And I, I looked at uh, kind of some, some things online this week, looked at some things that people do, and I, and I, and I realized that the list... Of, of what it takes to get healthy is actually a super simple list, and it's a list that most of us could do without even thinking too much about it. Um, you may have heard soda is bad for you. Um, it's like the number one thing. Like if there's anything in this world that is bad for you, it's soda. Even diet soda does the same things to your body that regular soda does. Like soda is bad. If that's news revelation for some of you, I'm sorry. Um, but but some, of, some of you might know that um, to eat a balanced diet's a good thing, right? To have something from all of the food groups. Um, to avoid sugar is a good thing. You know, not, not to eat like dessert with every single meal. It's, a, you know, not, not that bad. Um, to not eat McDonald's three meals a day is probably a thing to avoid. Um, to not go out for B-dubs, you know, every night of the week is a good thing. Like, um, to get regular sleep. Like, we all know we need, like, seven to nine hours of sleep, but, you know, it's, it's on the list. Uh, we need to get regular hours of sleep. If you sit at a desk um, for your job, it's good to get up, like, once an hour and walk around a little bit. Go to the bathroom, get a cup of water, keep your, your body moving a little bit. It's not a bad thing to exercise. Maybe to run or to lift weights or to do calisthenics of some way, shape, or form um, three to six times a week. Um, let's see what else is on the list. Um, it's not great um, to watch hours upon hours of TV every single night. Like that actually, you know, slows your brain down, slows your body down. Like there are just some natural things that we should do. So like if I took all of those, put them up on the screen and said, here's the list of things to get healthy. Eat a balanced diet, get some sleep, get some exercise. Um, maybe uh, stop eating so much sugar or drinking so much soda, whatever it might be. If I listed those things up there, you guys would all get inspired to get healthy, right? You can feel it in the room right now. Everybody in here is ready to do some squats. You ready? Let's go. No? Oh, sorry. My wife's like, I got one more. <laughs> oh, I put a floor in this weekend. I'm a little sore. Um, it doesn't inspire us to obey, does it? If it? To put that list up there. In fact, most of you in the room probably wouldn't need me to list out that list of 10 things. All of you in this room could probably get a list, put it up there and say, I know that I'm supposed to do that. But a list of things to get healthy doesn't inspire us to actually do it. Now, this series has been super interesting because the word inspired has had kind of a dualistic meaning for us. Number one that the scripture isn't the inspired word of God. And so we've been unpacking the inspired word of God out of the book of Philippians. But we've also been trying to inspire you to do some things, to inspire you to journal, to inspire you to study, to inspire you to pray through the scriptures. We've been trying to inspire you to do all those things as we look at the book of Philippians. And I hope that's been good. I, I know for me, it's been encouraging. I I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed some of the practical applications um, that Corey just mentioned a minute ago, like, I've, in, I've enjoyed that. It's been good, but there's this leap that has to take place this last week that I think this is the hard part. You guys ready? For me, this is the hard part. Maybe it's not hard for you, but this is the hard part for me, is to take the things that we've learned and take the things that we're learning from the inspired Word of God and then to obey them in our daily lives. 
I think being inspired to obey the things that we read is the hardest part for many of us. To take not just the application of it, but to actually do it. Just like our health list, to take that list and actually put it into our daily practice. Jesus, I love you. And I thank you, God, that today you're going to speak. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to inspire us in a fresh way. I thank you that your inspired word of God in Philippians 4 um, can come alive to us today, God. But we need you to be our teacher. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, like we said, we've been in the book of Philippians. So I want to look at Philippians chapter 4. And I want to look at uh, what's probably a familiar passage of Scripture. And I want to just read it. I'm going to read it here out of the uh, ESV, out of the English Standard Version. I'm just going to read the first nine verses and see what it does to inspire. Just listen to this. Therefore, my brothers, or in the church, everybody in the church, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat with you, idea. You guys ready for these names? Everybody's like, add these to your list of names for your kids, right? I entreat with you, idea, and I entreat with Sintiki. These are women, by the way. Those are female names. Um, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. You probably know this part. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts or guard your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, think on those things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Have you read that before? That's quite a list. I mean, I I read you nine verses out of a chapter. There are 23, I believe, in the chapter. There is a list in there that just goes, goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. All the things that we're to do. Let's just look at some of them. Stand firm. Who knows? Stand firm in the Lord. I I could, there's a whole sermon there. What's next? Solve quarrels between the women that are arguing in your church. Okay, that sounds like a tough one. Rejoice. Well, maybe I don't feel like rejoicing. Says it. No, rejoice. Be reasonable. Well, that sounds like a terrible idea. Sometimes you don't want to be reasonable. You want to be emotional, right? Be reasonable. Don't worry about anything. Oh, thanks, Paul. <laughs> oh, I like this one. Pray all the time. Don't just pray, you know, at certain three times a day. or anything. Pray all the time. Think only good thoughts. Just try and do that one through this service. <laughs> Think only good thoughts. Oh, here you go. Act like Paul all the time. What you've seen and heard and and found in me, put all that stuff into practice. That's just nine verses, everybody. That's a list. Look at that list. Look at that list of things that we're supposed to do, according to Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice, stand firm, don't worry, act like Paul. But you know what? I look at that list and I go, yeah, that makes sense. If you've been a Christian for a month, a year, maybe two years, if, if I told you, um, you should be nice, you'd probably be like, yeah, that's probably good. Jesus probably wants me to be nice. Don't worry about stuff because God's got you. Well, yeah, I probably know that too. It's kind of like the sugar thing. I know I shouldn't eat sugar, so I probably shouldn't worry, right? If I look at that list and I say, you know what, I should probably think about good stuff, not bad stuff. Yeah, you're right. I probably should. 
So, like, when I even reading that text and looking at that list, you probably go, yeah, I knew that stuff. I knew I was supposed to be joyful. I knew I wasn't really supposed to worry. I, I knew I was supposed to be nice. Right? So why don't we do it? Why don't we obey that list? I have a list above my um, sink in my kitchen. So it's like the thing you walk by the most in a day. You're putting dishes in there, washing your hands. The kids are putting dishes away, washing your hands. It says, and it's got this, there's this plaque we have above it. And it says things like, we do hugs, we do grace, we do second chances. Really, you know, sweet, pithy thing. Corey, something Corey found at Hobby Lobby, right? You know, um, it's a list as a family. Do I obey all the rules on that list every day? Nope. Do my kids? Nope. List didn't help very much. What about this? Do you guys remember this argument? We should post the Ten Commandments everywhere. In every government building, in every school, we should put that list up everywhere in our, in our, in our society because then people will obey them. Well, just put the list up. <laughs> right? Or, or think about it. The, in Deuteronomy 6, God tells the Israelites, I want you to write them on the door, the, the list on the doorposts of your house, on the gates to your house. I want you to put them in little boxes and carry them around with you everywhere. They got so obsessed with this idea, the Israelites did, that they put them in boxes and literally tied them on their heads, the list of rules, because they thought it would, I don't know, osmosis get into their brain somehow. <laughs> they would put them in boxes on their wrists. The list of things to obey. How many of you on your hair dryer or your pillow have a tag that says, do not remove, and you took it off anyway? <laughs> How many of you drove five miles over the speed limit, even though it was listed on the way to church today? <laughs> you guys okay? How many of you have been like me and have approached the Bible this way? I opened it up, put that list back up there, Sam. I opened up, I opened up my Bible, I read Philippians 4, and I go, oh, this is the stuff God wants me to do. This is my list. This is my reading. I'm doing my Bible reading. I'm being a good student of the Bible. I've been studying and journaling, and I read through it, and this week I read Philippians 4. Oh, look at that list. And I didn't even read the other 14 verses of the chapter. You know who never gave me a list of rules to, uh, to uh, follow, and I follow them anyway? My basketball coaches. You know, my basketball coaches never gave me a list of rules. Maybe your coaches did. Mine, mine didn't. They never gave me a list of rules to follow. They never gave me a list of anything to follow. Was there stuff I was supposed to do? Yes. Were there practices I was supposed to be at? Absolutely. Were there drills that we were supposed to do and, and, and weightlifting we were supposed to do when we weren't actually, you know, in our normal practices. Yeah. Was there things they want us to follow through on and to work on, whether it be free throw shooting or dribbling or defensive stance? Yes. They had a list of rules for us, but they never wrote it down. They never put it on a piece of paper or a screen or posted on the wall of our locker rooms. They never existed there. Maybe your coaches did. Mine didn't. Because I think my, my coaches understood something. The lists don't inspire people. Relationship does. 
relationships what inspired us to do what my coaches wanted me to do. When I had a relationship with my coach, they spent hours with him every day for six months. Two hours either before or after school, talking to him, encouraging us. We want you to do this. We want you to work on this. We want you to, to shift the way you think about this. Do you know what? Our team is going to be this. We're going to be a defensive team. We're going to be a, a press team. We're going to be a man-to-man team. We're going to be a team that always works together. We're going to be a team that passes the ball a lot. We're going to be a team that does one-on-one a lot. We're going to be a team. They, they knew the identity of the team. They shared it with us on a regular basis. They shared with us the destiny of where our team was going to go. We're, our goal is to win our conference. Our goal is to, to win our region. Our goal is to go and do this. Our goal one year was to make it to state, and we did. Like, that was their thing, was we have a destiny and a purpose for this team. This is what we're going to look like. And they inspired us every single day, but they never wrote any of it down. Because they knew that lists didn't inspire us to obey them. Lists didn't inspire us to follow them. It was the relationship with us. My, my coaches went, even went as far as to have team dinners. Where we weren't even doing anything with basketball. We were just in relationship together. So let's look at Paul again real quick. We, we've, we've done three weeks now where we're talking about how do we study the, the Bible? How do we study the inspired word of God and, and unpacking it for us? And as we look at it, we looked at the life of the Paul. And, and, and Putty pulled out all of his stuff. And think about Paul. Who's Paul to the Philippian church? Paul's the guy that started their church. He was the church planter, right? He was the one that came in with a group of people and, and began to evangelize some people and lead them to the Lord and, and start the church. And he raised up leaders. I mean, he's just not some random guy writing a letter to this group of people. He's their pastor. He's their church planner. He's the one that said, hey, when I leave, you're going to be the, the men and women that, that, that lead this church. He, he's writing them to encourage them, to bless them. Who is Paul? Paul is in an extremely raw place. Paul is a guy that's in prison at this point for his faith. And they know that. They've been sending, like, aid to him to take care of him while he's in prison. They've been visiting him while he's in prison. They know who Paul is. They know his struggles. They know what he's been through. They have relationships with him. So imagine this. Imagine if your small group leader wrote you a really personal email and said, hey, Corey and Peggy, will you stop fighting? Scott, help them work that thing out. Imagine if that's what was being written to you. Imagine that. I plead with you, UOD. I plead with you, Sin Creepy. Like, get those two ladies to talk to each other. Get those two ladies to talk to each other. Imagine if your, your pastor came to you and said, hey, I've been trying to follow Jesus with everything that I have, even to the point where while I'm in prison, I'm rejoicing. I would love it if you guys rejoice too. Imagine that. Imagine this deeply personal email from your friend, your small group leader, your, your church leader, who you know and you do life with all the time, writing you a very personal email. They're not writing you a list like we saw there in the first nine verses. They're writing you saying, these are the things that I've done and seen and heard. I've been trying not to worry. I'm in prison. How about you? <laughs> right? I'm encouraging. Rejoice and don't be anxious because that's where I'm settled. That's where I'm interacting with them. Lists don't inspire them, but the relationship with Paul would definitely have inspired them to action. The relationship with Paul would definitely have inspired them to go, you know what, Paul's right. 
I got to stop thinking about my circumstances and start thinking about what God has done for me. We know that this book is written to the Philippians, but obviously there's some stuff that's for us in there. I mean, I don't want you guys to worry, right? Uh, There's some stuff in there that's for us. There's some stuff in there that we can apply to our lives. There's some stuff in there that we can be inspired to do and to obey. But as you read, you you have to start not with the list. Put that list back up there one more time. You, you can't start with that list of stand firm, solve quarrels, rejoice, be reasonable. You can't start with the list. You have to start with this. Man, God loves me. Oh. And sometimes I don't even get very far because I stay there for a while. God loves me. Oh, he's so in love with me. God cares about me. You know, God wants the best for me. When God looks at me, he sees royalty, forgiveness, right? He sees Jesus in me. He sees his power and his purposes in my life. Oh, it feels so good. Do we have to start there? Because that's where Paul started. Paul, in his prison cell, wasn't sitting there worrying. He wasn't sitting there thinking about all the bad stuff going on in his life. He was sitting there going, oh, God loves me. God wants the best for me. God cares about every detail in my life. He knows the hairs on my head. He knows the needs and the plans I have. God loves me. Oh, this feels so good. That's where Paul was. Paul's sitting there in the presence of God in a prison cell going, oh, this feels so good. And in the midst of it, he pens a letter to his people. So when we come to the text, we have to come to the text with that in mind to go, hey, How do I approach this section of scripture? And here's how I do it. I start there. I go, oh, God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you care about me. Thank you that you have good plans for me. Thank you that you're here to teach me something new, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so loved. I'm so cared for. I have so much destiny and purpose, I don't even know what it looks like yet. And then I begin to read. I'm going to change translations just to give you a different perspective. And then I begin to read, and I read this. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of my life. Let your joy overflow, for you are united with the Holy One, or excuse me, the Anointed One. Oh, gosh, God, that feels so good. I'm united with you. I'm united with you in your death, your burial, your resurrection. The gospel is a smashing success. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I might not get past that verse. I might stay there for a little bit and go, oh, Thank you, God, that I have this kind of relationship with you. Let your gentleness be seen in every relationship, for the Lord is near. Thank you, God, that you were so gentle with me, I can be gentle with other people. Oh, doesn't that feel good? Oh, doesn't that feel good to know, God, that you're with me? That even though I may want to preach a message that's direct and harsh, God, your gentleness is going to flow out of what I have to say. Thank you, God. And I'll keep reading. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about saying, oh, thank you, God, that as I stand here at 9.52 on a Sunday morning, that I don't have to worry about this message because you've heard it. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering faithful requests to God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Oh, I love that line. Tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace, which transcends human understanding, will make the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, God. 
Do you see the difference between reading a list and going, I'm loved, I'm cared for, my identity is set in Jesus, he sees me differently than I see myself, and then I approach it in relationship. Do you see the difference? It feels different when I read the Bible that way. Here's the thing. You all can do this. Every person in this room can interact with the scriptures this way. Just for fun, I thought I'd give you a list of how I do this. <laughs> Here's my list. I say, come Holy Spirit. It's the first thing I do. Spirit, come, right? Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you into the process. Just like I did at the beginning of the sermon. Holy Spirit, come, be, our, be my teacher. Come teach me something. Whether I read one verse or I read a hundred, you teach me. So that I don't put my own stuff on it. Come be my spirit. Come spirit, be my teacher. And then I remind myself who God is. He's loving. He's amazing. He's awesome. He cares about me. He wants what's best for me. Just remind myself, God, who are you? How have I seen you interact? How have I seen you come through? How have I seen you be so amazing throughout history? Some of that I found in Scripture, right? Some of it I've just found in relationship with Him. But God, who are you? And then I remind myself who I am. <laughs> this is such an important thing. It's such an important thing to remind yourself who you are before you read the Bible. Because if you don't, you'll put all kinds of weird stuff on your reading. <laughs> like a list of rules for you to follow. God, who am I? I'm a much-loved child in the kingdom of the universe. I was buried with Christ, and I've been raised with Christ. Death no longer has any power or dominion over me. I'm filled with God's Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is raised up in my life. And I remind myself of that stuff. Oh, now I'm ready to read the Bible. Now when I read the Bible, it's a love relationship. It's a give and take back and forth with the Father. It's so good. And then I love to ask this question when I'm done. After I read it, sorry, then read. <laughs> After I read, I love to ask this question. Holy Spirit, what are we going to do now? What do I get to do today? today? What do I get to do? This week it was a lot of, you're going to stand up in front of everybody and you're going to walk in that without worry, Adam. You're going to walk in the joy that I've given you, Adam. Okay. That sounds like fun. Or maybe it's, I do this a lot when I read the scripture and like, I think I'm going into a hospital to meet with somebody, and I get to bring the peace that passes all understanding. What do I get to do with you today, God? I get to go into a, a situation where maybe two people aren't getting along, and they're fighting back and forth, and I get to go in, and all I'm thinking about is all the good things that I've seen in both those people's lives. I get to call out the gold in them. God, what do we get to do together today? It's such a fun process. That is my Bible reading process. Holy Spirit, come. Who are you, God? Who am I? And then what do we get to do together? You know what that is? <laughs> Literally, it is um, the gospel story. <laughs> What's my relationship with you look like, God? What's my identity with you look like, God? What's my destiny as I go forth into the world together today? That's the, the gospel glasses that we've been talking about, right? The 3D gospel glasses. That's what it is. But it starts with relationship before we ever read the book. If your relationship isn't settled with Jesus, we'll come with lenses that'll be all messed up. We'll come to the word all messed up. And the list will not inspire you. This won't even inspire you. But relationship will inspire you to want to live it out with him. I know that's true in my own life. 
the people I want to follow are the people that I know. The people that I know love me and care about me and have good things for me. And those are the people I want to be with. Those are the people I want to follow. Those are the leaders I want to go with, right? That's why connection with the living word is so much more important than the written word. That sounds really backwards, but listen to what I said again. Connection with the living word is so much more important than actually the written word. And I'm a Bible geek, self-professed Bible geek. You ask my intern. (laughs) I love the Bible because I have such connection with the living word. Listen to what Jesus says about this. I just think there's two passages of Scripture I want to read to you. I think they're fascinating just kind of as we wrap up today. Um, One is from John, excuse me, chapter 6, or 5, sorry. Um, Go ahead and put those up, Sam. Um, Chapter 5. Listen to this. You're busy analyzing the Scriptures, frantically poring over them in hopes of gaining eternal life. But everything you read points to me. (laughs) Yet you still refuse to come to me so I can give you the life you're looking for. This is Jesus, right? Jesus is like, you know what, the Bible's awesome. But in there, if you don't find me, something's wrong, right? That's, that's the Adam translation. <laughs> but, but if you don't find me, if you're not finding me in there, something's wrong. Or how about this one? And I've read it, but this other one backwards over and over again. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commandments. I bet you've read this one backwards too. You've read it this way. Those who obey my commandments truly love me. That's not what it says. It says, those who love me obey me. Those who are involved in relationship with me, who care about me, who are intimate with me, they're the ones that obey me. I got taught it backwards when I was a kid. Well, if you, you, know, if you want to be a good Jesus follower, you're going to follow the commandments. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, those who love me are going to follow me, right? If you're in relationship with me, you're going to go with me. If you're not in relationship with me, you're not going to obey me. I think that's paradigm shifting. It is for me. So let me encourage you to this as we wrap up the sermon this morning. Um, What you've seen in me this morning, put it into practice. That's Paul's admonition in 4.9 to the Philippians. What you've seen me model as I read the scriptures this morning, put it into practice. Go into the word with Jesus in your heart and on your mind. Go into the word in relationship. Don't go into the word looking for something so deep and so profound that you miss Jesus. Go into it with Jesus and see what happens. Take time to invite God and the Holy Spirit to be your teacher every time you open the scriptures. And imagine what will take place in your life. You'll begin to not worry. You'll begin to rejoice in every situation. You'll begin to think good thoughts. You'll begin to put into practice the things that you've learned and heard from me and from the church on a regular basis because you've gone there with Jesus. It's going to be amazing. And if you're looking for some place to go, you're like, we've done Philippians all month. Now what do I do? I'm getting ready to fast. Now what do I do? Start with Colossians. It's the next book. It's amazing. There's some good stuff in there. All right, let me invite the worship team up, and we're going to pray, and we'll tell you what we're going to do next. Jesus. you're awesome. (laughs) God, you're so good. Um, Thank you, Jesus, that you're here and amongst us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're alive and present. Um, Thank you that you're here to be our teacher and our guide and that you're going to remove worry and anxiety and fear from our lives. Thank you, Jesus, um, that you can direct our thoughts so they can be reasonable and, you know, be gentle and be focused on you. Thank you, Jesus, that you can solve quarrels where we can't solve them. Thank you, Jesus, you can allow us to stand firm, that we can obey you because we love you. Oh, it feels so good, God. It's freedom in you. 
Jesus, we're going to spend some time intimately with you in the next couple of minutes. We're going to spend some time intimately with you in the next couple of minutes. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you open up the scriptures to us once again. Amen. So let's stand, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship. We're going to spend some time doing the pre-work for the Word. We're going to spend some time doing the pre-work for the Word. In fact, that's how I look at my, my Sundays. This is my pre-work for the week. Spending time in the presence of Jesus, worshiping, adoring, remembering who He is, remembering who I am, inviting Holy Spirit's presence into my life. So that when I approach the Scriptures, when I approach my life this week, I come at it from relationship, from love, from intimacy. So I just, I welcome you to that as we sing this morning. I welcome you into an intimate encounter with Jesus. I welcome you to get intimate with Him. I welcome you to say, Holy Spirit, do what you do. Because I believe He's got some things for all of us this morning that we weren't even ready for. Let's worship together and then I'll come back up and lead us into a time of prayer.